If you want to understand how abuse can go under the radar for a very long time and how people cannot realize that something is abuse, how abusers work and how cover-ups work and how things can remain hidden for so long is really similar in all of those contexts. God does not want dark things to remain hidden. I knew at some point, I don't want to be one of those people that knows something and never says anything. I just didn't know what the timing was. This is Amy Fritz, and you're listening to Untangled Faith, a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all the things that are not good and true, this is the place for you. Welcome to episode nine of Untangled Faith. Today, I'm sharing the second part of my conversation that I had with Melissa Hogan. So if you have not listened to that one, I'll wait here for you while you pause this episode and listen to that one. If you're listening to this later, it's the episode from June 30th, 2021, and it's titled, how we realized we were in an unhealthy organization. Last week, a friend asked me if I was planning to share more specifically about the things I was seeing in white American evangelical culture that gave me red flags about Ramsey's solutions. What was it about the fall of Hybels and McDonald that seemed familiar? What were those flashes that screamed danger to me? What was it Diane Langberg said that I didn't want to see? I'm not afraid to share about our experience with Ramsey Solutions, but I want to do it in a way that is most helpful and relevant to you. I don't want to distract from the point of this, particularly the goals of the last episode and this one, which were to share with you news and resources, which we believe can help anyone be a part of helping create a healthy community and that provide a framework that could help pinpoint if you're in a place that isn't healthy. And we want to share resources that we would include in what our friend Lauren refers to as the Spiritual Abuse Recovery Starter Pack. Filtering my experience through that lens is how I've landed on a few things I want to share. These are some of the key flashpoints I experienced that I had to grapple with in our time with Ramsey Solutions. The first one is one I didn't mention last week. It was in the fall of either 2012 or 2013. Dave had shared an article that was on the DaveRamsey.com website, and it listed things that rich people did. The implication was that by doing these things, one could have a better chance of becoming wealthy. That list created a huge pushback on social media. Several authors wrote articles or blog posts raising their concerns regarding the findings of the survey. One person who wrote about it was Sean Groves. He had some questions about their research methodology, and if I recall correctly, I commented that I too had some questions. I saw correlation in the list, but I didn't see evidence of causation. Who knew that my social science research methods class from college would come in so handy? It wasn't long after I commented that it became clear that the controversy wasn't going away, and Dave's response to it on the air and on social media was to mock some of the people who disagreed with him. I remember Nathan mentioning that Dave talked about it a bit in a team meeting. I was sick to my stomach. I was so afraid that someone in leadership would see what I wrote online 
and that Nathan would lose his job. I was terrified, even though I knew I hadn't done anything wrong. This was a huge red flag that I should have paid attention to. Instead, I decided to censor anything I said online that might even remotely disagree with Dave or Ramsey's solutions. I unfollowed people who questioned him. I muted terms on Twitter. I did not want to deal with the anxiety that came when I saw people try to question Dave in good faith and watch him respond by blocking them. Another flashpoint happened in 2016 when I watched the Diane Langberg video, Narcissism and the System It Breeds. I mentioned it last episode and I shared how I had Nathan watch it and then how he said that it sounded like Ramsey. So what had Diane Langberg said? Well, one of the quotes I wrote down was this, a group or organization or church that is desperate for hope becomes blind and susceptible to those coming to be their savior. We are vulnerable to those who promise bigger and better and say it's all for God. Dr. Langberg talked about how tricky narcissism could be because it looks pretty and spiritual and how a narcissistic leader could feed the narcissism of a group with words like, I know you, I know you want to serve God and you want to do it in a way that no one else is. It sounds like all the things Christians are called to do, but Langberg explained that it can often feed the need to be necessary and better than others. One more flashpoint happened in December of 2018. I had read the World Magazine article about James McDonald written by Julie Royce. It talked about how McDonald had previously been charged with self-promotion, love of money, domineering, bullying, abusive speech, and outbursts of anger by a former elder. And it went on to say that the leadership warned members of the church to avoid some of those that had recently resigned because in their words, we're defiling many people. It mentioned an abusive and fear-based culture, NDAs. It told of an incident when McDonald had singled out students and called them morons, fools, and stupid. I had observed enough of Ramsey Solutions and Dave over the previous seven years to recognize Dave's actions in all of this reporting. From the fear-based culture, to warnings against listening to former members of the organization, to the use of NDAs and name-calling, I could check off all of these things as happening with Dave Ramsey and Ramsey Solutions. I hope that adds some clarity to last week's episode and gives a bridge to this one. In this episode, I share the second half of my conversation with Melissa Hogan, and we share about a lot of resources we use to help us make sense of what we had been through. And when it's all said and done, I think we talk about more than two dozen resources that I'll have listed in detail on the podcast website, untangledfaithpodcast.com. Here's the rest of my conversation with Melissa. You know, one of the very basic tools in domestic violence is the Duluth wheel, the power and control wheel. And if you look at the power and control wheel and you see ways in which interpersonal abuse plays out, you really can have examples about how organizational abuse. So that was a key tool for me is constantly going back to that power and control wheel. That plays out like in the podcasts and the books. So some of these podcasts that I'm going to throw out, some are about interpersonal or family abuse or gaslighting techniques. And, you know, you'll see that play out in an organization that consists of people. They reflect those same behaviors. You know, one of our favorite podcasts between the both of us is something was wrong. 
The Something Was Wrong podcast was one of the first serial story style podcasts that sucked me in. Season one, Tiffany Reese's first podcast season told a gripping story of narcissism. Includes lots of examples of gaslighting and that is interpersonal. So it's whether it's in a dating or marriage relationship or within a family system, examples there. But then you you go look at podcasts like The Dropout or We Crashed, which are actual companies. So both the dropout and we crashed were about companies and their leaders and the organizational control and abuse that happened within those. But you see the parallels if you're listening to something was wrong versus we crashed. Another great podcast that goes along with a book was Believed and Rachel Denhollander's book, What is a Girl Worth? tells that story. So if you want to understand how abuse can go under the radar for a very long time and how people cannot realize that something is abuse, how abusers play on people's emotions, gaslighting, shifting the blame and controlling a narrative, both of those resources, how abusers work and how cover-ups work and how things can remain hidden for so long is really similar in all of those contexts. And going back to what we were talking about, God does not want things to remain hidden. And there's there's a balance. Like I said, if we're going to see repentance and reconciliation, obviously our goal isn't just to put everything out there for the right. sake of people knowing it. But God does not want dark things to remain hidden and abuse to remain hidden and people continue to be hurt. God is going to expose it. Sometimes he uses people. Yeah. Sometimes he uses reporters. Sometimes he uses supernatural means. Julie Roy started her podcast the summer of 2019. That was just months after we had left Nathan's job. One of her first podcasts was talk with some people connected to Harvest Bible Chapel, what it was like to speak the truth when nobody was listening. There was three people she interviewed and I took notes on that podcast. So much of it resonated because it was a Christian organization, even though it was a church and not a, a business. Jessica Hockett was on And I miss her on Twitter. So hello, Jessica, we miss you wherever you are. She said she really felt hurt by the people that had left along the way at their church, knowing something terrible was going on and never said anything. I had to go back to that podcast from Julie Roy's to get the full quote just right. I discovered that I'd forgotten who had said what. In that conversation about Harvest Bible Chapel and James McDonald, it was Scott Bryant that said this. He said that it wasn't former pastor James McDonald that hurt him. He said, The scars I walk away with are the scars from the individuals who failed to speak. And Jessica later said, If only the leaders who left would have publicly said why they left. She was convinced it would have made a difference. That fell on me so heavy. I knew I needed to hear that. I knew at some point, I don't want to be one of those people that knows something and never says anything. I just didn't know what the timing was. I was like basically laying on the floor saying, okay, God, I don't know what this is. There is something about hearing about other stories. For example, Chasing Cosby is another podcast that I remember when the allegations started to come out about Bill Cosby. I loved the Cosby show. I just kind of saw it and was like, huh, I, I didn't investigate it enough to know. It didn't reach me enough for me 
to go, okay, I need to dig, dig into this to, to my regret. Not that I could have done anything. I mean, obviously, but hearing that podcast and again, seeing how something like that can remain hidden for so long and how someone can appear to the world to be one person. They appear to be one person, but in reality, in private, they are another person. Watching that play out and watching the efforts to keep something hidden and looking at the people that are digging for the truth and trying to expose the truth, they are doing the work of Jesus in a lot of ways because God does not want things to be kept in the darkness, especially when things have gone on for a very long time. There are a lot of opportunities for repentance and a lot of opportunities for people to be reconciled to the people around them and reconciled to Jesus. God will use people to expose. Thinking through what it might be like to just speak the truth when really powerful connected people don't want you to speak the truth. Reading Rachel Den Hollander's book about what it was like for her to speak up. But part of her story is about speaking out against abuse in their church denomination and the reaction to that and what they lost in speaking the truth. That was really important for me to help me process what could possibly happen if we speak up about an organization or people that will make other people feel uncomfortable and that other people benefit from in the Christian environment. As it turns out, it was a good thing I had read those books because it helped us not be completely caught off guard when Ramsey Solutions leadership set up a meeting with Nathan's new employer in an attempt to silence us. And then also reading Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. And she said, Catch and Kill and she said are two different books. She said it's written by the the women who also reported on Weinstein, Megan Tuohy. And Jody Cantor. One of the things that those books highlight is non-disclosure, non-disparagement agreements and how they are used to not only silence people from talking about things, but to actually hide abuse and to perpetuate abuse. When you think about that term, non-disclosure, I'll put my lawyer hat on here for a minute because I had used non-disclosure agreements in my practice as a lawyer, but I used them in contexts where people were selling a business and they were equally represented. They had equal power those contexts are the are where non-disclosure agreements come from or you know you have certain you know intellectual property that you're transferring or you want to share with someone and you don't want them to be able to tell other people and you know destroy the value in your intellectual property in the context of churches or organizations using non-disclosure agreements and non-disparagement agreements to get people to not talk about negative things or not talk about allegations of abuse or to pay people off is the opposite of Jesus. Watching the use of NDAs, and I, when I say NDAs, I kind of use them all encompassing to include non-disclosure agreements, non-disparagement agreements. That was a signature move of abusers in these stories of Weinstein. And that's how they were able to operate for so long. They would sexually harass someone or abuse someone. Mm -hmm. That person would go to HR or would complain or disclose. And they'd say, oh, because the abuser was rich and powerful, I'll pay you this amount of money to settle your legal claim. And you're going to sign this non-disclosure, non-disparagement agreement. And what people don't realize is that's not a transaction that's normal. It's not an equal bargaining (laughs) situation. 
to, to look at these stories and realize how long these abusers had been able to operate, much of which was through the use of NDAs. People should have a flashing red light if they are part of an organization, especially an organization that names the name of Christ and uses NDAs. Melissa and I have had lots of conversations about NDAs. I wanted to add a few things that we didn't get to in this particular conversation. First of all, if you're offered an NDA, it is within your rights and to your benefit to ask to have the offer in writing for you to review with your spouse and a lawyer. A healthy organization likely won't tie severance to signing an NDA, and they certainly wouldn't object to you taking the time to look it over before making a decision. If a Christian organization, a faith community, is using the same tactics of silencing as Harvey Weinstein, that should tell you something. It should definitely tell you something. I highly recommend those books. They read like a thriller in some ways. It's so good. Also, Catch and Kill, there's some podcasts connected to that as well. And also these books, most of them have audio versions that you can pick up. So if you'd rather listen to something than physically hold the book, but I like to hold the book. I like to underline it make notes. And it also, if you want to know, like the stakes of actually speaking up in some situations, you have to kind of know what can happen. You need to be emotionally in a prepared place if you're going to say something. And it also helped me realize in many cases, you're not going to see anyone change and you are going to have to brace yourself to be ready for that or be maligned yourself. Read Rachel's book, not to discourage you, but to give you a real realistic understanding of what what you're kind of up against. And if you are not in an emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually good place to do that, there is no obligation to do some big public thing. Maybe God's calling you to speak truth in other ways. Of course, therapy (laughs) is going to help you deal with this stuff at a higher level than reading books. Yes. This is is like junior varsity therapy. And I will say too, that if you're going to speak up about abuse in a Christian environment, staying so closely tied to Jesus is so important because you are going to face people maligning you. You're going to probably lose friends. You might be at financial risk. So if you are walking this out with the Lord and feel really confident that he's calling you to speak about this particular thing at this particular time, then you're going to be much more prepared for the consequences that happen and know that you're not going to question yourself like, oh man, if I hadn't done this, then this wouldn't happen. No, if you feel confident that God is calling you to to speak this at this time, then you will be more prepared for any negative consequences that happen. One of the books that doesn't seem like it's in the middle of all of this, I now think everyone should read is called The Sociopath Next Door. It goes back to this sense of, you know, we think even though the Bible says that there's evil and there's wolves and that we all have sin, we want to think people are good. This was part of my own spiritual laziness that someone says they're a believer. I'm like, I believe them. The Bible calls us to look at the fruit. And if we ignore the fruit to just listen to what they say, that they are a believer, again, that's where I have to take ownership, that there were signs that the fruit was rotten. I wanted to ignore it. But that book, The Sociopath Next Door, where you can start to see the signs that someone is pathological liar, that they are not the same person all the time, that they are very malleable to the situation in 
terms of who they are manipulating. So I would recommend that book to everybody. (laughs) You know, there's movies. Sometimes you just want to watch a movie, but also there's movies that help you see through dramatic form. Because obviously we know movies take a little bit of license, even if they're based on true stories. So Spotlight was a movie that I've now watched multiple times. And that is how a group of reporters started to uncover and expose the sexual abuse in the Catholic church in Boston. Again, situations of how something can remain hidden and covered up and manipulated for so long until people start to expose it. The Insider, which is about the tobacco industry, how that cover-up was exposed. Dark Waters and a civil action are about chemical companies. So you see this theme of people trying to hide bad actions and how those tactics try to hide and manipulate and shift the blame to other people and people looking at that and going, no, this is something that needs to be exposed. The vow So we talked a little bit about podcasts that talk about Nexium or Scientology. The Vow, which is on HBO, is about Nexium. And that, again, is about an organization that used tactics of manipulation and abuse to really, really harm people and financially manipulate people. Yeah. And it helps you understand how much people want to protect that their influence. That's just natural. We want to hang on to power. We want to hang on to that. When you feel the instinct in yourself or see the pattern in others that is protecting, whether it's I'm protecting the reputation of the church or I'm protecting my income stream, I'm protecting money, power, wealth, fame, reputation. How is that depending on Jesus to protect us in the Christian context or, you know, outside of the Christian context, if you're covering up to protect those things, that's not right. Within the last 12 months, I would say we have this embarrassment of riches of really great books that have come out that are in this area of church health, spiritual abuse. When I took a picture of a stack of books, our friend Lauren said, oh, I see you have the spiritual abuse recovery starter pack. In my spiritual abuse recovery starter pack, I would for sure add some of these books that just came out. And one of them was When Narcissism Comes to Church by Chuck DeGroat. He talks about about how this personality uh, disorder works in a faith settings. And he talks about how different personalities can have a tendency towards narcissism. And And he has a lot of grace about Mm. it. That is one thing that I really appreciated in the book. In the end, we are all created by God. Yeah. And that's where, you know, one of the things you see in narcissistic people or organizations is a very us versus them mentality. We're right. They're wrong. We're good. They're bad. We're the best. Even in situations where you're a part of exposing abuse. So even then you can start to feel that us versus them. But in the end, we are all children of God. Even the people that are harming other people and abusing other people, if we can cling to anything, clinging to the hope that they will see their sin and repent from it. I think we have to go back to that over and over and over again. And I think that is something that Chuck DeGroat does in that book. Also in my starter pack, I would say a church called Tove, 
that I've mentioned on the podcast before with Scott McKnight and Laura Beringer points out some of the areas where churches have gone wrong. And then it really focuses a lot of time on this redemptive cycle of goodness and how churches can lean into that. You really see the heart of Scott and Laura and other things they write to and other podcasts that they're on. They are holding on to that hope for repentance and restoration while also shining a light on the really unhealthy things. Early on in this journey, each of us, like I said, independently had stumbled upon Wade Mullen and Diane Langberg and their work in spaces that were not books, whether it was videos or Wade's dissertation and then his long tweet threads about how to recognize the tactics of image management in Christian organizations. That was his dissertation, how, you know, how Christian organizations try to manage their image in the wake of an image threatening event. So reading all of this stuff from Wade Mullen and Diane Langberg, and then getting the huge blessing in the last year to get books from Wade Mullen and Diane Langberg was amazing. Wade Mullen's book is Something's Not Right, Decoding the Hidden Tactics of Abuse and Freeing Yourself from Its Power. This is like the ultimate anti-gaslighting book. He points out the ways people can be manipulated. And he shares a little bit of his own story in there. And it's just so, so very good. If you're out there and you find yourself going, well, I would never fall for that. You know, the people who allow themselves to be in that situation or find themselves in that situation, they're just not blank, whatever you want to put in there. A little bit of lack of humility in that perspective to think, well, that wouldn't happen to me. But really we take a humble stance and say, let me understand how this happens. Let me understand how somebody ends up in an abusive marriage or how they end up in an organization that harms them or manipulates them and they don't realize it for eight years. Yeah. Um, Reading Wade's book and having a humble spirit about it to understand how manipulation works and how we can become blind to it, how trauma works. Wade's book speaks to that. Diane Langberg's book speaks to that redeeming power because it's really a darkness. It's tactics of darkness that that do that. And if we're saying that couldn't happen to us, that's really ignoring the truth in the Bible. You're a ministry leader. There's two really good reasons to educate yourself on this. One is just to make yourself more educated. And, you know, they say trauma informed is to be trauma informed, educated about this is going to just make you a a safer place for people that have experienced abuse, any kind of abuse, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, domestic violence coming out of like a high control group. It will make you a more empathetic, help you to more effectively minister to them. The other reason is, is because we don't want to become those people that become abusers. We all need to be humble enough and open-handed enough to say, I don't want to be one of those people that creates a system or supports a system or an individual that harms other people. And if you think about the shepherd role that Jesus played and that he calls our pastors and sometimes each of us in different circumstances to play, the shepherd protects and supports the sheep by knowing how they can be harmed. He knows what the vulnerabilities are. He understands how they've been harmed before. And thus it helps him understand how do I 
protect them? How do I help them heal? How do I support them? Because he understands what the dangers are. He understands how they've been harmed. He'll leave the 99 and find the one. And if you want to pick up a book that's very much for church people to understand abuse, I would highly recommend We Too by Mary DeMuth. That book is really about how do we reckon with and respond to this crisis of abuse that's actually impacting our churches. And she does a wonderful job. I highly recommend that book, We Too by Mary DeMuth. You had mentioned Diane Langberg's book. It might be at the top of my list, Redeeming Power. Diane Langberg is a trauma therapist who has spent how many years as a trauma therapist? Maybe 40 years. And she uses such incredible illustrations to help you understand some of these concepts. You know, I just remember one illustration she used about a girl walking home from a party and she had had a little too much to drink. And there's a couple choices for how people around her can respond. And none of those choices are that girl's fault. Even if she had too much to drink or whatever, a man can walk her home and help her be safe, or a man can take her in an alley and rape her. And so much in society, you know, we're still coming out of this sense of blaming victims for things, blaming victims for what happened to them. And she really uses a lot of incredible examples to tease that apart and say, do you really realize what you're doing when you're, when you're saying that and asking about what was she wearing and what did she have to drink? How come it wasn't the guy who just walked her home and helped her be safe? Her work has changed my life. Her video about narcissism in the church and in systems is like that first glimpse of truth of, oh, wow, we are in this in a way I didn't know. And now to read this book, Redeeming Power, I've got it in my lap here. The subtitle is Understanding Authority and Abuse in the Church. I probably underlined more than I didn't underline. It feels like her life's work put together in a way as a gift for people that care about being trauma-informed and being Christians and ministry leaders that represent Jesus. I don't even know anointed maybe. I don't think that's too strong of a word when I hear. No, I don't either. And and you could really have a primer on spiritual abuse and abuse in the church by following all these people on Twitter, following Diane Langberg, Wade Mullen, Bostovigin, Chuck DeGroat, just reading some of the things that are in 280 characters. The insight is just blows you away sometimes. Julie Royce had a conference Yes. A couple years ago, the Restore Conference in Chicago, her keynote was really powerful about speaking truth and the cost of speaking truth and just a real prophetic word about that. At the end of Julie's keynote address at the Restore Conference in 2019, Julie challenged those of us in the room saying that we needed to ask what our one smooth stone was in the context of talking about David being willing to fight Goliath, the giant that was mocking the true God. Julie said this, what is that smooth stone God has given you that you can use to bring light and help purify the church? I knew when I heard those words that someday I was going to use whatever gifts and access God had given me to share our story. But also the video of Wade Mullen speaking, I could not take notes fast enough. I was so glad to find out that she had recorded it. Diane Langberg, you can find on YouTube her address at the Caringwell conference. So that's the other thing is there's certain speakers and panels from the Southern Baptist convention 
Caring Well conference. Yeah. Baz Chivijian spoke there and that was a very profound talk. There was also a panel that had, the panel had Diane Langberg and Leslie Vernick and a gentleman who specializes in abuse. There was a social uh, worker on there too. And I don't remember her name. That panel is incredible. What is one book or one podcast or one person to just kind of see what they're saying that you would recommend? I would start by watching videos of Diane Langberg, the compassion that she has for people. I get a little emotional about it and the love she has for Jesus and the church. When you put those two things together and hear these very good illustrations of how this stuff works, you can't help but be enlightened about what is happening. It reminds me of what we know about Jesus because my favorite book of the Bible is Matthew. And one of the reasons Matthew is my favorite book of the Bible is because he says a lot and he had compassion on them. So that is the characteristic characteristic of Jesus that Matthew highlights. He had compassion on them. And so when I see Christian leaders who are marked by their compassion for people, but also her desire for the truth and for the refinement of the church. To me, that is an example of of what Jesus calls us to do. I want to wrap this up by sharing one more flashpoint that we experienced with Ramsey Solutions. Our final straw happened in 2019. It happened when we came across evidence of infidelity happening with a high-profile public speaker, and leadership lied to us about it and treated it very differently than we had seen them handle other violations of their stated core values. Nathan was told he needed to trust them or he knew what he needed to do. The implication was that Nathan needed to resign if he didn't fully trust the narrative. Nathan and I both knew the narrative wasn't completely true, and that's when we knew it was over for us. The summer after Nathan resigned, I stumbled across a podcast episode from Michael Hyatt and Megan Hyatt. Michael shared about a difficult ethical situation he navigated while working in the publishing industry. The co-host chimed in to add, core values look good when they're hanging on the wall. They're very difficult to enact in a real life business situation. I cried as I listened. Very difficult felt like an understatement. I wrote in my journal that day, one final quote from the podcast, air on the side of integrity, even if it costs you in the short term. The best way I can summarize this process that Melissa and I have been through is to describe it in a way that Wade Mullen talks about in his book, Something's Not Right, Decoding the Hidden Tactics of Abuse and Freeing Yourself from Its Power. Mullen says this, if we can learn the language of abuse, we can stop the cycle. We can make abusers less effective in accomplishing destruction in our lives. Melissa and I have been learning the language of abuse. All of the books, videos, podcasts, and movies we've mentioned were all a part of our curriculum in learning this language. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Unless you've been taking notes and I wouldn't put it past some of you, you're going to be happy to hear that you can find a list of all of the resources that we mentioned today on the podcast website, untangledfaithpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be awesome if you would share it with a friend and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook as Untangled Faith. For transcripts and show notes, check out untangledfaithpodcast.com. 
on the next episode of Untangled Faith. If you are friends with somebody, it's really being a crappy friend to pretend there's no elephant in the room. The times that I have ever left somewhere and someone has called and said, I'm so sorry, would you feel comfortable telling me what happened? That has been so meaningful to me. 